Right, people are strange, and we are glad about it. That's what we're talking about this week. Welcome. This is the Fright Club podcast. I'm Hope Madden, and I'm George Wolf, and we're from MadWolf.com, and we are back. This is the November edition of Fright Club Live, and we are doing this live in front of the great audience at the Gateway Film Center, right Woo! in the heart of Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio. And we especially want to thank everybody for coming out tonight, because I'll be honest. We weren't expecting a big crowd because there's a lot of us that are not feeling great about certain current events. But uh, sometimes you got to get together and you got to drown your sorrows a little bit. And you this got- is how bad it is, everyone. George let me have two beers before taping, <laughs> and as most of you know, I'm banned from drinking prior to the taping because of the amount of editing it requires on George's part. Afterwards. Special occasions call for <laughs> drinking up. And this is one of those. But we are going to talk about, uh, yeah, people are strange, strange people. We're going to talk about weirdos. Weirdos. Our favorite horror movie weirdos. Maybe one of you. <laughs> You're definitely <laughs> our favorites. But uh, before that, though, we got to say uh, thanks for the feedback from last week. We talked about <gasps> single parent horror. And we have to single out Tammy. That's right. Who's here tonight because she pointed out one that Where we- Where was my head? We just plumb Tammy? forgot. And that was- the Exorcist, yes. what was I thinking? How yeah. did I miss that? Chris McNeil, played, of oh. course, by Ellen Burstyn. Dumbass. Uh, that is a huge one. But in a way, it was okay because we have talked about The Exorcist so much. See, that's always For a great reason. Talk, but. Well, it's, it's a, I'm trying to get around it. I'm trying to, you know, do the old soft shoe and get around the fact <laughs> that we forgot about that. But that's a great point. Because that would certainly qualify for a single parent horror, but it was a pretty good. It was it a pretty was. good good it was. countdown. And a lot of people were happy about the Babadook, which kind of because it's very polarizing with our group. Yeah, and, uh, the Babadook. The Babadook. It's, po- it's, people, it's yeah. polarizing with a lot of people. It is. It is. Yeah. But so, then it, it had Dark Dave then put out on the Twitter sphere, which is better, Girl Walks Home Alone at Night or Babadook? Yeah. Quick vote, which is better? Yeah, that's what we said, Babadook. Although we love, we a, do, we love a girl walks we home alone. We do love a girl. Night. I got to go with Babadook. Got to, got to go with Babadook. Uh, but it does. It has people that it just, Baba it just duck. doesn't. Uh, don't let it in. <laughs> um, it just doesn't work for it. Oh, and speaking of, we got to give a shout out to Gateway's own Jason Tostevin because I don't know if any of you saw he posted on Facebook. He's got one of those. We mentioned it. We mentioned you brought up that you could go on eBay. You were going to go on eBay and see how much it cost to get. They one had of those pop-up promotional Babadook pop-up books back books. before they made the movie, and Jason Tostevin got one. Yeah, and my Facebook comment was, "Damn," yeah. because it was sweet looking, and uh, I don't know where if it's his or if he just saw the photo from somebody else or whatever. But I would like to. I'd like to see it. Speaking of senior filmmaking correspondent Jason Tostevin, he's with us in spirit tonight because when he realized that we're, first of all, showing May and second of all, doing a Weirdos Countdown, he texted me in all caps, quote, Weirdos are my shit! <laughs> which is thought, strangely, well, they are. which was also the title of his first album. <laughs> Weirdos are my shit by Jason Tostevin. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that you know, it's a good it's a good topic. It's a fun list, it's yeah. It's a fun and list. Not the same old thing that we always do, our right. top five films that do this or that. Yeah. Gets us a little bit to pick and choose from here or there. So before we get into the top five, and as you said, we're going to see one of them, which is May. We're going to see that on the on the big screen tonight. Fun. Uh, you've got a few that are worth mentioning, but didn't quite, you know, cut the 
cut the top five. Right. I mean, there are so many, and you just, I mean, there are so many beloved weirdos in horror, like just beloved. And um, and there were a bunch that I, I just love, just dearly with all my heart. And I, I couldn't put them in the top five because we keep it always to a five. We never do fuzzy math for the live ones because we want to snap it up. Um, so I just want to say, and this will surprise no one, Lola from the loved ones. So yeah. she didn't quite make it. We should point out to Paul. By the way, Paul, who's a, his first week at Fright Club here. Welcome, hey, Paul. Paul. You should know that she loves the loved ones. <laughs> I do love the loved ones. If you she, haven't seen it, you need to. Have you she, seen it? It's brilliant, right? She would find a way Paul to have it. Paul loves the loved ones, George. And if, I like it. <laughs> but, man, for a while there, it was every week with the loved ones already. Uh, but, no, she's a great, great character, Lola. And then, and actually, there are a lot of weirdos in that movie. Bright eyes. There are a lot of weirdos in that movie, but <clears throat> she tops the list. And then another movie with a lot of weirdos, Possession. But I'm giving I'm giving the award oh, to Heinrich. 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 What the way the he hell? the way he dances through the uh, shenanigans of possession. He's he is a weirdo of the uh, of the nth degree. Yeah, he is. Love that guy. And I don't know how many of you saw the film Der Samurai. It's uh, it's a German film about a cross dressing samurai. It's kind of a werewolf movie. It's awesome. It's magnificent. And Pitt Bukowski. That's a name. He plays the same Ryan. He's magnificent. So he's he's another favorite weirdo, weirdo that just didn't quite make the list. Calvair, another movie that's just littered with weirdos. I'm going to go with Bartel from Calvair. Oh, but yeah. There are a lot of options And by the there. way, since we're talking about what? Calvair. Merry Christmas! Next month, right, right back here. December Fright Club. Merry Christmas. Uh, Wednesday, December 14th, we're going to show Calvair on the big screen. And just to... Just to we talked about this a little bit in the Torpedo Room happy hour before this. We're working on having... A beer tasting of Mad Wolf Ale. Some of you may know the Dayton Beer Company has a beer called Mad Wolf Ale, and I did talk to that to the to the rep, and he's all about it, and he wants to bring in a brewer and oh, have a tasting, you did and everything it all. like that. So, so hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we'll have a little double fun uh, next month. But we're working on that. But we're definitely going to talk uh, about Colvert and show Colvert. What's going to be the the topic? Best Belgian horror. Best Belgian horror. We love the Belgians. Okay, and one more that didn't make you it. You would quick. be surprised. That seems like a niche market. Is totally oh no, no, got no! A ton of really great movies. Definitely, and one more that didn't make it. This is. I mean, this was tough for me because I seriously love this guy. Um, the Hitchhiker from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I love him. I love him so much. He's a good one. He's a good one. Most again, most everybody in Texas Chainsaw Massacre could have made it, but uh, instead. And these are heavy hitters. I think you're going to agree with me. These are these are some great ones. I hope you agree with me. I don't care if you agree. Let's be honest. Uh, um, All right, so just get right in there at number five, and it's from the 2000 movie Shadow of the Vampire, and it's Orlock, played by Willem Dafoe. Meet Count Orlock. I'd like some makeup. Well, you don't get him. Ah! What is the matter with you? Where did you find him, really? Academy Award nominees John Malkovich. I will finish my picture! And Willem Dafoe. This is hardly your picture any longer. Shadow of the Vampire. How dare you destroy my photographer! Why not the script girl? I'll eat her later. This is a great movie, and it's based around an urban legend, I guess, that Max Schreck uh, was, in reality, a vampire which is why he played the role of Orlock or Dracula so well in the movie Nosferatu from 1922. And that's the part that Willem Dafoe is playing. And apparently this was written with him in mind, and he's fantastic. He's nominated for an Oscar for it. Yes, and well-deserved.
And as you all may know, the greatest vampire that has ever been on film ever in the history of the world is Max Shrek as Count Orlock. So this was exciting. Yeah. For, uh, but yeah, he's really great in this movie. And I think if you can out-weird Udo Kier, you, have won, you deserve some sort of a medal. And, um, and his whole performance in this is so squirrely and so funny, which is great because when, when you watch the original Nosferatu, you know, he's like vermin-like and he's creepy, but there's something w- really odd about him. Yeah. And, and I love all the performances in this movie. I love, I love everything about Shadow of the Vampire. I think it's just brilliantly put together. But Willem Dafoe is just, yeah, over-the-top awesome. And there's a lot, there is a lot of humor in the movie. Tons. Especially yeah. when uh, John Malkovich, who plays the director, just becomes unhinged at, at some of the things that he does. <laughs> it's just great. And he, there's a line in there, um, Malkovich says, if it isn't in the frame, it doesn't exist. Now, that's a paraphrase of a piece of advice that the real uh, Murnau. director, Murnau, gave to a young Alfred Hitchcock uh, when Alfred Hitchcock visited the studios there in Berlin before he really became famous. And he, he kind of took that advice, I guess, and was still... Uh, using it and making his final movies up into up until the mid seventies, and uh, it's they use the quotation in the movie. It's kind of a distortion of what the real director meant, but that's that's interesting. You can kind of see how a young director, a young Hitchcock, would take that. And, oh yeah, and put it in, into use. Yeah, uh, the original film is so um, just fascinating, and and um, I I just love I love the way this cast works together to uh, like. Make fun of filmmaking, um, and, and and at the same time, like be afraid of and be making mocking this this actor. And but more than anything, I love the way Willem Dafoe reacts to everybody on screen. It's it's always surprising, but yet perfectly in character. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and that's our fifth most beloved weirdo from the horror movies, uh, Orlock from Shadow of the Vampire. And moving up to number four, one that we've talked about before. Speaking of weird. It's all kinds of weird. From 2001, Itchy from Itchy the Killer. I think that clearly somebody from the world of Takashi Miike was going to make it into this, this oh, man. countdown. Yeah. And um, it could have been almost anyone. Um, and in fact, it could have been like nine of the people in this particular film. But I kind yeah. of felt obligated to go. Obligated or someone to go. in Gozu. We, oh, well, yeah. Um, but Itchy the Killer, Itchy himself, is is hard to like and hard to not like, and he's like a man-child, which is always fascinating in a movie, and you think that you're supposed to feel badly for him, and you sort of are, but at the same time, he's literally the worst human being that's ever been born, recent political candidates aside. <laughs> yeah, and this is based around, it's another one of those Yakuza films, or the uh, the Mafia uh, one by one now, Itchy has taken out members of the, of the Yakuza, and all the while, K- Kakihara, is the yes, other, Kakihara. Uh, intensifies his pursuit of Itchy and Itchy's controller, and things just get crazy. Kakihara looks weird because he's got that Glasgow smile, right. how they, they cut that into his face. But uh, it's one of those, like you said, uh, Takashi Miki just, he th- just throws everything. He kind of just takes all boundaries just out of it and just throws it on the screen. So Kakihara, maybe somebody did that to him, cut his face completely open, and then closed it with some uh, closed it with some uh, uh, earrings. But the longer you get into the film, the more you realize, no, he might have done that himself. Yeah. Or he might have paid somebody to do that to him. Yeah. And and he's looking for Ichi, 
uh, like presumably for sort of the you know the knight who's trying to avenge his his master, sort of a thing, right? But I think no. Toward the end, you realize he wants Itchy to to hurt him. Yeah. And yet he's not the weirdest person <laughs> in this movie. So Itchy, the the whole Itchy storyline is almost a little bit like Memento, where where he doesn't really understand what's going on, and so his handlers tell him that he needs to avenge something against these people, and then he just goes wildly, insanely batshit. And all of the, I mean, the the violence in this movie is so ridiculously over the top that it's almost comical. At the same time, it's really quite repellent, because there's actually, for those of you who really can't stand, it's a lot of rape sequences in this movie, so I'm not, that's just good to know before you get into it. Well, Um, it is over the top so much so that there is that, that crazy humor element in it. Oh yeah, and the, but the thing about the thing about Itchy himself is that um, you you you're sort of led to feel really badly for him because he's very much like a child, and then at the same time, everything he does is so you just never expect it. You always think, oh, he's so sweet. It's anyway, the whole film is surprising, and in the just just goriest sort of most viscera viscera spraying kind of way. Mm-hmm. And it, it's funny that everybody, you know, there are guns everywhere. But I think there's only one or two shots fired in the entire movie, and no one is killed by gunfire. No, but there's a lot of there's a lot of skinning, a yeah. lot of oh, removing yeah. of human flesh happens in this movie. Yeah, like a lot. We should a l- do that in a podcast. He was skinned alive. That would be our <laughs> podcast. We do podcasts just to get ideas for other podcasts <laughs> as they come to us while we're doing that. But that is itchy. From Itchy the Killer, number four on our list of beloved horror movie weirdos. And number three is a great one because that is one that we're going to see here tonight in just a few minutes. And from 2002, it is Lucky McKee and May. So what do you do, May? I work at the animal hospital. When I left for vacation, my dog had four legs. Now, she only has three. You can't sew it back on, can you? I could. Oh, you crazy bitch! kind of liked it. Does that freak you out? Nothing freaks me out. Do you feel weird doing this? If you can't find a friend, make one. What you reading about? Amputation. <laughs> yeah, so May is making a friend and some assembly may be required. That's right. And I love that uh, Jeremy Sisto, who of course, if you've listened to the podcast before, we call him My Foot Hurts because of his role in... <laughs> clueless years ago he's the guy that raises his hand and says my foot hurts and for some reason (laughs) we kept seeing this guy he would pop up in movies we're like hey it's my foot hurts but his name is jeremy sisto but his name his character name is adam stubbs which works out because (laughs) he ends up very clever no i mean obviously that's for you know for uh very much uh intended because he ends up with a couple of stubs he does yeah things don't don't turn out but um, the weirdo in this movie, and I think now, the more that I think about it, um, I think uh, one of the reasons that, that some of these made the list is because, you know, they, they're they so endearing. Um, you know, in, and, and May is maybe the most endearing, the most sympathetic, you know, outsider, goofball, weirdo character. And Angela Bettis is, like, miraculous in this movie. She, she's so wonderful in this movie that, that, it is it is at times just painful to watch. You just you just weep for her. Just oh, don't do that. Like, you know, oh God, don't do that. And originally there was a, a lengthy introduction 
uh, to May as a child, but then the film appeared to be taking too long to get to the point, and most of those were cut. So the very opening, the opening they ended up with, has the adult May, the first scene with her and her doll. They were shot very quickly, and just to make the quick point, that she was lonely as a child. But originally, there was much more backstory there. Yeah, they have a couple of flashbacks, and I think that that was a wise decision because they're the weakest parts of the film. Um, and I think they're a little heavy-handed in sort of, you know, the, the mom is cold and the dad is distant and May has a lazy eye. And <laughs> yeah. And you got... Uh, I had to wear a patch, by the way. I had glasses when I was two, and I had to wear a patch on my right eye until I was five, which might be why I really like May. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go into the story about how you made friends out of body parts. <laughs> but uh, Lucky McKee shows up, and uh, he's got a cameo. He's the man with his girlfriend in the elevator both times in the movie. And also he has a little homage. The teenage girl who asks May, got any cold ones in right, there? Right, right, Dressed up as a zombie cheerleader is the exact same costume from his first movie, All Cheerleaders Die. The exact same costume. Yeah. All Cheerleaders Die is terrible. It's the only bad Lucky McKee movie. Um, who also made the beloved The Woman. Oh, yeah. Um, although, if you haven't seen May and you have seen The Woman, which is to say, if you've been here repeatedly, this is not nearly as harsh. It's a much gentler film, and it's a much more emotional film. So, in a lot of ways, it's kind of, it's a little harder because it's a bit heartbreaking, although it's still, it's also really sweet and very funny. And Anna Ferris is hysterical. Anna Ferris is another, she could have made this list. She's a she's a, yeah. just an outstanding character. And I think it's the first film I saw her in. And then she goes on to, she's in a lot of bad comedies now, but oh my God, she's great in this movie. Yeah, and this one, you compare it to The Woman, but this one does have much more of the silly humor go- going on in it that, that The Woman is not going to have. Oh, no, yeah, The Woman is a, yeah, it's a far more brutal and, and serious film. Yeah, much more but, social commentary. Yeah, but this, this, I mean, this is an incredibly high quality effort, and, and it's a very intimate and, and sweet film, and... Just really beautifully put together. Yeah, and that it put together. I see what you did there. <laughs> see that? That is a May, number three on our list of favorite weirdos from 2002. And now we get really weird. I mean, we were just kind of playing in the minor leagues. But now these top two. Whew. Number two from 1993 is Bubby from Bad Boy Bubby. Bad Boy Bubby went on a voyage of discovery. And the world he confronted was funny. Get off the ride, you fucking bastard! <laughs> Tragic, loving, and hateful. Oh, shit! Honest, fat. and hypocritical. God doesn't like fat <laughs> And totally unlike any you've ever seen before. Bad boy, puppy. Is love. He's a bad boy. Now, his mother has kept him locked in their house for 30 years and it was convincing him that the air outside is poisonous. Poisonous. And then you saw in the trailer there, his estranged father comes to visit and then circumstances force Bubby out into the world and a place that is just unusual to him as it as the, as uh, he is to the world. And he goes in these situations where he tries to, I guess, assimilate as best he can, and it's just so weird. One of the things I love about this trailer is it makes it out to be like a really uplifting and sweet film. And it's, I don't know <laughs> if you've seen it, but it's, a, it's, it's bizarre, and it's a horror film. And, and um, I mean, he doesn't sort of just find himself 
in a situation where he needs to leave the house, the corpses are stinking. Yeah. Well, so those are circumstances. Yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Nicholas Hope, though, is just magnificent in this film. And it's really, it's very sweet and touching, his performance, even though he does, I mean, he kills a lot of people. He kills a lot of people, but, but you know, he's been raised, it's, it's not even a house. It's a single room with no windows, just him and his mom and their cat. Cat doesn't fare that well either. Um, and, and so, uh, and he believes that when he leaves, uh, you know, the, the world outside is toxic and he's going to die. And, and um, the situations are, are both really very realistic and also really surprising. It's an incredibly well-written film. Um, and then um, it's fascinating to watch as Bubby's language develops because he, he just takes in everything somebody says and then repeats it later back to somebody else. And he works it into these fantastic songs and he joins a rock band. It's an Australian film, which should go without uh, saying. So this bizarre Aussie rock band takes him in and, and, um, and eventually realizes that he's carrying around a dead cat Full of covered in cellophane, but they just like him so well that they keep him. Plus, everybody's coming to. I mean, it's 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 the most bizarre and strangely uplifting movie about a guy who just kills a lot of people. <laughs> but he's such a good guy. I mean, it's yeah, it's fascinating and bizarre, and it's it's a f- just phenomenal epic performance. And it's got such a look about it too. The whole thing was filmed uh, in sequence, and they had a different director of photography photography for every new locale every new circumstance that he went to so you get a little bit of a different look every time which not only helped the production so they didn't have to worry about having the same crew every time but it works he's like each time he's like entering a different world right you know and taking from it what he can and giving back to it what he thinks he needs to uh but it's interesting how it, it just looks slightly different each time yeah it's another one where it's a sort of a man child just like itchy the killer and where um, his behavior is um, really sad because of his um, childlike way of thinking. And there are a couple of scenes in this where, it, regardless of what it is he's just done, your heart has just, just breaks for the brutality that, that he faces based on the fact that he is so strange in this, in this new situation. Um, um, and you're right, it's a great performance. It's an amazing performance. And and the writing, I guess the uh, the director and the writer, how do you pronounce it? Severe? Yeah. He wrote it on and off for about 10 years mm. before he got to the, the finished product, the product that, that made it on the screen. But yeah, it's even though it's so, so weird, it is. Like you said, it's a very polished, finished product. Yeah, it is. It's an amazing movie. And a lot of people haven't seen it. 1993, it's an Australian film, like not at the height of the exploitation and not Mad Max. So a lot of people miss it. If you've missed it, I recommend you check out Bad Boy Bubby. Yeah, and that's number two. And that leaves room at the top for number one just from earlier this year. It, uh, it had a short run here at the Gateway, and if we have anything to say about it, it's going to be coming back in a fr- future Fright Club Live, and that is The Greasy Strangler and Big Ronnie. Hey, stop talking to the customer and help Dad with his shorts. Kiss my juicy cherry lips. <laughs> my dad might be the Greasy Strangler. I'm officially dating Janet. Bullshit artist. Bullshit artist. I call bullshit on that. Bullshit artist. <laughs> Strangler. You're all right, Braden. Thanks, Dad. That means a lot coming from you. Man, this movie. Anybody seen it? Anyone? Nobody here has seen it. What? Oh, it's you so. You might have to watch it again right now. <laughs> the thing about it is, 
when we left here, like for the next week, we just quote lines. It's like Napoleon Dynamite on some sort of acid. Actually, d made the best comparison. He said it's Napoleon Dynamite as directed by John Waters, which yeah. is exactly what it is. It is so crazy. And, so and, and so we pick Big Ronnie, who's the guy who's with played the white by, hair. Who's played Michael by Michael St. Michaels. Michael St. Michaels. Perfect is that. Is that a great name? But it, honestly, it could have been any single person in the entire cast, right? So Big Brayson. The glasses? Right there. Right there. That pair of women's glasses from 1981. Like, oh, my God. And the two, so the two of them, much. the father and son, they dress in these incredible pink outfits, shorts, <laughs> and sweaters, and they give disco tours. where <laughs> They take people around and show them where Earth, Wind, and Fire used to live. Oh, my God. You have to see Big Ronnie's disco outfit, and, and then you'll never be able to unsee it. They get in fights and just scream, bullshit artist, at each other all day. And it's so incredibly weird and funny. But I yet, love this but, movie so much. But yet there's this killer, the Greasy Strangler. And he's, as, as you might have seen in the trailer there, he's, he's covered in grease. <laughs> and then after he kills somebody, he goes to the local car wash, stark naked, and just stands there while the car goes through the car wash to get clean. <laughs> and then there's a whole bit about potato chips that you, <laughs> you won't be able to get out of your head. <laughs> we have to have this back here. We have to get this back here. It and might all, be in next year's lineup. You never and know. And you guys have to come back and see it because it's just so batshit crazy. And Big Ronnie, the thing, the thing that put his character over the top, because all she's right, all the characters could qualify, even down to the, the smallest uh, supporting character. There's a guy named Oinker who has, <laughs> right. who has no nose. Uh, who, and the actor that played him like retweeted he us. Did, he retweeted our review of the movie. So we love that. Anyway, there's a, a scene where... Michael St. Michaels also plays a detective. Right. Big Brayson calls a detective because he's sure that his dad might be the greasy strangler. And then Big Ronnie shows up with like these big fake fingernails and some sunglasses on. <laughs> Saying that he's a detective. There's pause at the door where you're like, does he know it's his dad with fake fingernails on? Or and it's the most perfectly uh. it's the most perfectly shot scene I've seen this year. I'm not making this up. Because there's just a pause and your brain goes. Does he know? Does he not know? It's And I'm not going to tell if he knows or if he doesn't know. I'm just going to tell you that this movie is really a lot better than you think it is based on that trailer. It's absolutely brilliant, especially if you like comedy where a joke goes on till it gets awkward, till it gets bad, till it gets hilarious. Right. Because that's every single they scene They just keep movie. repeating it and repeating it. And what? Old Man Wang. It kind of depends on your yeah. appreciation also of Old Man Wang. Oh, yeah. There's plenty of uh, frontal nudity and, and sexual situations and... And grossness and bathroom humor. Oh my god! And just, just, just the, just the grease, just the, just the animal <laughs> byproducts of this movie. So big, Ronnie, and, and we definitely have to get it back here because so few people saw it. It's, it's in next year's lineup. I okay. swear to God. All right, we're gonna hold her to that, and hopefully you guys will come back because I don't know what the countdown we're gonna be, but it's just gonna food, food, mm-hmm. grease is the word. All right, The Greasy Strangler, Big Ronnie, is at number one on our list, and uh, that leaves, well, we've already talked about next month. We'll be back here December 14th for a Christmas edition uh, called Vare. That's right. As we talk about Belgian horror and hopefully have a little Mad Wolf Ale beer tasting. More on that to come. We hope that's going to happen. But, uh, you know, let us know who your favorite weirdos are. Best way uh, is on Twitter or at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Keep the conversation going on Facebook. We're Mad Wolf Columbus. And, uh, of course, the website for all your movie reviews of all genres. And believe me, there's plenty coming. We're into the serious seasonal 
Oscar bait you gave time now. Your first five star rating this week. This week, yeah, is a movie opening right here. I think this this Friday, this Friday called Moonlight. By far, it's not a horror movie, but it's one of the best movies I've seen this year and in many years. It's so great. Uh, and my review is up there now. So check that out if you can. And we got to get out of here because we got to show a movie. That's so right. until next week, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay rival, my friends. When you're strange.